Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is October the 22nd, 2021. Boy, oh boy, the clock, the um, calendar just keeps right on moving along. We are time travelers hurtling towards tomorrow. I was just watching a documentary about physics and time travel and all that other good stuff. And boy, oh boy, that's exactly what we are. We are time travelers we are on a magical mystery tour, and you really have to wonder um, <laughs> where we are going. And I, and I really wish we could get the politicians to tell us where we're going, because, frankly, uh, it's quite obvious that uh, this administration um, has absolutely less than no desire to level with the American people. We are certainly on a magical mystery tour. We are... Uh, captive passengers on an airliner with Captain Biden at the controls. God only knows who the co-pilot and who the navigator is. But everything that has been going on, um, I'm going to tell you, drives me nuts. I was an immigration agent for 30 years. And I used to say to people, immigration is not a minor issue. It's a major issue. It impacts just about every challenge and threat that America and Americans face. It impacts national security. It impacts public safety and public health. It impacts our jobs and wages. It impacts education. It impacts the environment. When you start loading a country up with lots of people, each person has an environmental footprint, an economic footprint. You know, we hear all this about the, the environment from the left in particular. And, and by the way, I agree with cleaning up the environment. We certainly are fouling our own nest. And then, you know, on the right, we hear, well, we don't want regulations. And then you think about the Love Canal and all these other horrible things where corporate greed caused people in, people in key positions to make decisions that killed people and made people ill. We have to clean up the environment. I don't buy into climate change the way it's being portrayed, frankly, and that's a story for another day. But as Americans, we should be questioning everything. Nothing should be off the table. Nothing should be so sacrosanct that God help you if you question it. And the tactics of the left in particular is to shut down debate, shut down questions, follow the science, their science. And we saw this with Nazi Germany, and I've written about it. In Nazi Germany, Albert Einstein was forced to flee Germany, and everybody knew that he was Jewish, I certainly relate to that. My family was decimated in the Holocaust, including my grandmother, for whom I was named because we're Jews. But I never realized until I saw this on a documentary, and then I started digging around online, that when Einstein spoke on campuses about his theories on relativity, both his uh, specific theory and his general theory of relativity, or special theory, rather, and his general theory in relativity, he was verbally and actually physically attacked, kind of like what we see now um, with, with, with the campus lunatics. They came out and they threatened him. And the Nazi German regime back then, the Third Reich, brought in two Nobel physicists who said that Einstein was a liar and practicing Jewish science. Not their science, but Jewish science. And what did they go after? His theories on relativity. Well, if you follow science at all, all those theories have been backed up have been proven by modern physicists using modern technology. The only technology that Einstein had back then was basically a blackboard and a piece of chalk and his brilliant mind. But they ridiculed him, they threatened him, they ran him out of town. So if you want to talk about the anti-fascist Antifa, it was really the armed forces that went after the Nazis. The current crop of, of, of science Nazis, if you will, are the fascists of today. Don't let them tell you they're anti-fascist. This is a form of fascism that's dangerous. Science is always an ongoing quest for knowledge because the more you know, the less you know. Voltaire said, in fact, that you judge a person's intelligence by the questions they ask. And when someone says to you, 
don't question me. Wow, look out, because someone's conning you. People should want to have what they tell you tested. If you can test it and prove it, then you're giving them credibility. Um, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the lunacy that's going on in college campuses, but that's what peer review means, that scientists conduct experiments and then they challenge other scientists to repeat the experiments to see if they get the same results to verify that their theories are, in fact, accurate. Question everything. Go back to Voltaire. You judge a person's intelligence by the questions they ask. If someone tells you, don't question me, don't question the science, don't question our leaders, <clears throat> you're dealing with fascist and totalitarianism and a dictatorship. Biden refuses to be accountable. And Jensaki, with that smug smile of hers, infuriates me, I have to tell you. I don't know if you folks saw the news conference that aired on, I believe it was this past Tuesday, where Peter Ducey of Fox News asked Jensaki, why are they moving children around the country in the middle of the night? And Jensaki, with that smirk, said, middle of the night? It was 2.30 in the morning. That's not the middle of the night. That's just extremely early. And then she tried to turn the debate into whether or not 2.30 in the morning is the middle of the night or just very early, to try to sidestep the original question. And, of course, questions that we ask revolve around five basic questions, who, what, where, when, how, and why. She only wanted to focus on when. Not who, not why, what, when, none of the others. It was only when. Why? None of your business. Who? None of your business. Where? I don't know. Let's go back to the clock and think about what time it was. Because they don't want the American people to understand that what is happening now is an organized invasion of the United States being perpetrated by our own government. I would argue that the Biden administration is conducting itself in the way that you would see human trafficking operations, but on a galactic scale. And every time Biden says, don't come, every time Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Surrender, as I call DHS, says, don't come, what are they doing if you do come? So now the Biden administration has been forced, forced to re-implement the Remain in Mexico policy because the court said that he had no right to remove it. Well, why wouldn't he want that to be part of the program? allow people to stay in Mexico while we process their applications for asylum. Normally, when people apply for political asylum, there's nothing anti-immigrants about this, by the way. If someone applies for political asylum, what they're really saying is, my life is in imminent danger in my home country because of my race, because of my religion, because of my ethnicity, because of my sexual orientation. They're going to you know, do a number on me. I'm going to face persecution, perhaps death, perhaps torture. Kind of like the Americans that were stranded in Afghanistan. To just draw a little analogy, okay? So once someone gets out of that home country where their life is in imminent danger, because we're not getting asylum claims from Mexico, if you're from El Salvador, Guatemala, wherever, and you're in Mexico, you're no longer in that country where your life is supposedly in imminent danger. And most of those applications are denied, by the way, folks. It's just a mechanism by which these folks are coming to the United States, and they've been led into the country, and then they disappear. Because what I want to talk about today is interior enforcement and fraud. But I, I just want to give you a little bit of a lead-up, because this, to me, has always been the critical issue. And many of my colleagues never understood how big a deal fraud was. It's a huge issue. It's the biggest issue. But, but understand what we're talking about. You're not endangering anyone's safety by telling them stay in Mexico. They're not saying they're trying to kill me in Mexico. They're saying I can't go back to El Salvador. Well, you're not in El Salvador. I can't go back to Guatemala. Well, you're not in Guatemala. The, the abused child who says that his parents are beating him to death, once he moves to another location, his life is no longer in imminent danger, or her life is no longer in imminent danger. We have to find a way of resolving their lives permanently, absolutely, but making them stay in Mexico is not the same as saying, well, we hope you die and we don't care. No, we're saying, okay, you can stay in Mexico and the Mexican government agreed to work with our government. You can stay in Mexico. We'll adjudicate the application. If we find that you do have a credible fear, then we'll let you in. But by the way, people seeking asylum aren't supposed to go country shopping. 
this isn't like, would you like to spend the summer at the French Riviera, okay? This is, my life is in danger, my children's lives are in danger, help me. If they want to apply it in the United States, they're in a safe situation in Mexico, might not be convenient, but I will tell you something. I know many people, because I'm Jewish, I know many people after the Second World War who stayed in resettlement camps or refugees in Italy and other countries. Uh, my first wife died tragically of cancer. She was in her early 30s. Uh, her parents had been through the Holocaust. Her mother was in a concentration camp. Her father's family was, was uh, you know, killed. And they spent years in Italy waiting for an approval to come to the United States as refugees. Her brother was actually born in Italy in the resettlement camp. They didn't just come to America. It took time to be vetted. And even then, we made mistakes and let Nazi war criminals in because they were able to get their hands on fake documents, claim that they were people that they weren't. And to this day, I, I just read a case, incredibly, I guess the good do die young and the old live forever, I believe this was like a 93- or 95-year-old piece of garbage Nazi dirtbag uh, who was being you know, deported back to stand trial uh, for war crimes. Imagine, to this date. So we made mistakes, and the Nazi war criminals needed to face justice, but they weren't terrorists. They weren't likely to blow us up. Now we've got a problem with people coming to America who are terrorists claiming that they're refugees, but their ultimate goal is to kill us. And we've had... A number of people do just that. The Tsarnaev family, the Boston Marathon bombing of 2013, that family got political asylum. And their two, bro- their two sons, the Tsarnaevs, uh, did a number at the Boston Marathon. We've seen other similar cases. So immigration fraud's a big deal. When you think about illegal immigration, the public has been conditioned. Think about the Mexican border. Think about the Mexican border. And the Mexican border is a big deal because Mexico is a third world country. America is a first world country. Uh, I, I read a brilliant assessment somewhere, and I, I use it frequently, that what's so specific and special about the Mexican border is that that is the longest border in the world that divides a first world country, the United States, from a third world country, Mexico. So there's a lot of economic pressure on that border. And you couple that with the violence of the drug cartel and corruption because of the violence and because of the money and the bribery, and you have a catastrophe. So the Mexican border is very significant, but it's not the only way that aliens enter the United States illegally. Aliens enter the United States illegally by stowing away on ships. Aliens enter the United States illegally by running the Canadian border. Aliens enter the United States illegally by committing fraud. They use passports that are not their own, and they use those passports to acquire visas and to enter the United States and to disappear. It is estimated, I mean, now I don't know where the numbers are because I was looking at the numbers. We have the greatest numbers of illegals coming across that that Mexican border now that we've probably ever had in the history of the country. They're they're talking about apprehensions. I I think they said it was something like 1.6 million. But it doesn't even include those who got away. We don't even know what those total numbers are. And no one is looking at other possibilities of aliens coming across the Canadian border, aliens coming across by stowing away on ships, or ships not going into a seaport, but simply coming ashore where people get off the boat and run. I mean, imagine the scenario of a bunch of fishermen go out on a a small boat uh, from some marina somewhere. And they, they leave in the middle of the night. Uh, or it could be early in the morning, ask Jinsaki, you never know, right? One never knows, do one. And they go out with, with ten fishermen on board, with, they've got the poles and the rods and their, and their, their lunch, and they're going to go out and have a grand old time. And I did that as a kid. I, I lived near, a, near a, uh, an area where we have fishing boats, and, and I did that when I was a teenager. Go out in the middle of the night and bring back fish, and the next day, boy, you've got that fresh fish, and it's wonderful, bluefish or fluke or flounder or whatever. Great, wonderful day. So they go out, 10 people. And 4 o'clock in the morning, the boat comes back in and docks. And what nobody notices is that somehow, miraculously, the 10 fishermen are now 31 fishermen. Did they multiply while they were fishing? I don't think so. They may well have met another ship at sea and had people come on board, and now they're in the United States. 
if you read the accounts of how the Second World War began playing out, uh, a, a, a sharp-eyed Coast Guardsman saw people getting off of a raft in, on Long Island. They had come here. These were Nazi saboteurs who came on a German U-boat. And they came ashore on Long Island, and they came ashore in Florida. <clears throat> they were put on trial. Most of them were executed. One was a naturalized U.S. citizen. So understand, it's not just the Mexican border. Let me read to you something, and then I want to get into my latest article for Front Page Magazine. But, but I think it's really important for you to understand this. There was a report called the 9-11 Commission Staff Report on Terrorist Travel. And, and as you know, if you've been following my work, I, I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission because I investigated and arrested terrorists um, from the Middle East. From, uh, I, I arrested a suspected IRA terrorist, took a gun off him. Uh, you know, human nature is human nature. Immigration law enforcement isn't racist. That's the, again, the usual allegation, no, you hate immigrants or you don't like brown skin. I got an award from the government of Japan for helping them. Um, I don't think they're Latinos. I work closely with the Israeli National Police. They're certainly not Latinos. I work with the Canadians and the Brits. Uh, we, we work with New Scotland Yard. I was the case agent when we grabbed uh, an individual who committed a murder in England. He was originally from the Caribbean. He was involved in the murder of a shopkeeper. We arrested him in Brooklyn and sent him back to stand trial in England. So this has nothing to do with race. That's just the usual nonsense being spewed by the immigration anarchists. And the sad thing is how many TV programs will identify people that want anarchy as pro-immigrant. And if you say let's enforce law, you're anti-immigrant. You're a restrictionist. Yeah, I don't want to let somebody in who wants to kill us. I don't want to let someone in who has a dangerous disease. I don't want to let someone in who's going to take the jobs that Americans want. And by the way, just to clear this up while I'm on that topic, Jinsaki was just talking about the same thing that Kamala Harris said, and you've got to love Kamala Harris. You know, to me, this administration is operating like organized crime, right? Illegal immigration, any, anything goes, everything goes. Just don't be an American who stands up to your child at a school board meeting because the FBI may be knocking on your door. And don't think about fudging with the IRS because they want to hire, I think I read a number somewhere, 80,000 internal revenue agents. My gosh. We've got almost no ICE agents because we don't care who comes to America as long as you make Americans pay their taxes. And really what this is more about, and I just talked about this when I was on David Webb's great radio show, you can selectively enforce tax law or any other law and use them as a secret police, if you will. And think no further than Richard Nixon, who came up with his political enemies list, and he wanted to weaponize the Internal Revenue Service to go after his political adversaries. And then think about what happened with Obama and the conservative groups that had all kinds of problems thrown at them by the Internal Revenue Service. Weaponizing government agencies against the sector of your population is not what freedom looks like, is not what America should look like. It's outrageous. Lady Justice wears a blindfold for a specific reason. Everyone is supposed to be treated equally. This nonsense of white privilege and all this other crap has got to stop. That's not justice, and it's un-American. But again, going back to the point that I'm making, Jinsaki and Kamala Harris, and Kamala Harris, by the way, if we're going to talk about organized crime, uh, appears to have a no-show job. The mob is good with no-show jobs. She's supposed to be the border czar. When was the last time you saw her on the border? It's a no-show job. Wow. So she said, we're going to go to the root cause of why the aliens come to the United States. The root cause? A lot of them are economic refugees. There's no provision in our laws for that, by the way. Political asylum is not economic asylum. Three-quarters of the world's population lives below what we would consider the poverty line. So should we bring four billion people to the United States? If that's what they're really saying, that's craziness. Political asylum is not economic asylum. But that's not the only reason that people come to the United States illegally. I know. I've arrested lots of people who are here illegally. Many come for jobs. Some come because they are wanted for murder, bank robbery, arson, rape, you name it, drugs, and they come here fleeing prosecution from some other government because of the crimes they committed. Some of them are coming because they're members of gangs or drug cartels and are coming here to set up shop in America, to open a franchise, if you will, kind of like MS-13. Some are coming 
uh, because they're terrorists and they want to launch a terror attack in the United States. And it's not just from Latin America. That's a big issue also. So when you had Jinsaki saying, well, why are they coming? We're going to address the root cause. Well, if they're coming to work illegally, they don't have to worry anymore because now Mayorkas over at Homeland Surrender has said they will no longer pursue anything involving people intentionally hiring illegal aliens as long as you don't mistreat them. If you treat them okay, you can fire every American worker for all they care. It doesn't matter. You can fire all your lawful immigrant workers. It doesn't matter. Hire anybody you want. Just don't mistreat them, and we don't give a rat's tail. In fact, I think they'd like to see Americans fired. I really believe it. In fact, I wrote an article not long ago, and again, full disclosure, I'm registered as a Democrat. I have been ever since I've been voting, but these aren't Democrats, because Democrats used to support blue-collar, hard-working Americans, people like my dad, who was a construction worker. So my, the premise of my article was that for the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. If you destroy the middle class, then Americans will be forced to go to the government for help to pay the rent, to buy food, to put the lights on in their houses, and that will make them dependent on the government. These are the ultimate control freaks. I, I don't doubt that the Democrats would love to see every American fired. Maybe this is why they want to shut down businesses, drive America into poverty. Their role model, apparently, is Venezuela. Venezuela used to be the wealthiest country in all of Latin America. It's now the poorest. Colombia, if you don't know this, has a big problem with illegal immigration. Guess who's coming to Colombia? Venezuelans. They have no food, no water, no electricity. I think Biden summed it up when he said, lower your expectations. Yes, we're about to destroy America, so forget this notion of three meals a day, perhaps. This is insanity. This is not a government of the people, by the people, or for the people, unless you're super wealthy or very well politically connected. That's where we seem to be right now. So when Kamala Harris said we're going to address the root cause, what is she doing about the terrorists, the fugitives from justice, the transnational gangbangers, the drug cartels, etc., etc., etc.? These are lies. And telling the aliens that if you come here, you won't have a problem getting a job because we've told immigration to stand down, all that does is to entice more people to run the border. This is a dream that the human traffickers could only have had as a dream. Imagine if we could get immigration to not arrest illegal aliens. Oh, we've got that. It's the Biden administration. Maybe they'll give Joe Biden and Kamala Harris the MVP award. This is insane. This is insane. But understand how significant border security is. So we'll go back to that 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel that was written by the federal agents, and I knew a number of them, and the lawyers who were assigned to work with the 9-11 Commission. This was an official report. This wasn't a comic book. It wasn't the supermarket tabloid. It was printed by the United States Government Printing Office. The preface of the report begins by saying this. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they are unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. I'm going to stop here just for one moment. How in the world could you be in charge of a federal agency and not think of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal? Do you not lock your door at night to keep burglars and rapists out of your house? They couldn't imagine that border security was a tool. In the, I, I mean, seriously, who have we had in charge of our government for how many decades? What blithering idiots. These, these people flunked the wiggle test. If you don't know what the wiggle test is, you stick your left finger in your left ear, your right finger in your right ear, you wiggle your fingertips, and if they touch, you flunk. So I'm convinced that the people that come up with that statement flunk the wiggle test. No one thought of this as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. I mean, think about that. And then it goes on and it says, indeed, even after 19 hijackers, demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa. So we're not talking now about the Mexican border, you see. Get away from the border for now. That doesn't mean we have to ignore it. We can't ignore it. We know that Hezbollah is working with human traffickers to flood drugs and sleeper agents into the United States, as well as criminals and terrorists and so forth. But that's only one element of many elements. I call this immigration and the colander. 
There's a lot of holes to be plugged. How many holes do you need in the bottom of your rowboat for it to wind up in the bottom of the lake? You don't need 20 holes. You just need one hole. The number of holes or the size of the holes determines how quickly you wind up at the bottom of the lake. But one hole will suffice. And there's many more holes than just the Mexican border. So it says, even after, after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa, and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. Wow, that takes my breath away. We believe, for reasons that we discussed in the following pages, that it must be made one. Of course that's the case. Of course that's the case. And then that report goes on and says that the story, meaning the 9-11 story, begins with a factual overview of the September 11th border story. This introduction summarizes many of the key facts of the hijackers' entry into the United States. In it, we endeavor to dispel the myth that their entry into the United States was clean and legal. It was not. Three hijackers carried passports with indicators of extremism linked to al-Qaeda. Two others carried passports manipulated in a fraudulent manner. It is likely that several more hijackers carried passports with similar fraudulent manipulation. Two hijackers lied on their visa applications. Once in the United States, two hijackers violated the terms of their visas. This is all about interior enforcement, which we're not doing. And sanctuary cities obstruct, by the way, folks. One overstayed his visa, and all but one obtained some form of state identification. So we're giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens in violation of the findings of the commission. Think about that. We know that six of the hijackers used these state-issued identifications to check in for their flights on September 11th, and three of them were fraudulently obtained. Fraud, 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 okay? I did my very first congressional hearing on um, May the 20th, 1997, four and a half years before the attacks of 9-11. The predication for that hearing was two terror attacks carried out in 1993. January 93, an individual by the name of Kansi, a Pakistani, claimed political asylum, got himself a driver's license, bought into a courier van service. That van was authorized to park in the parking lot of the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, in Virginia. And in January 93, on a cold morning, he pulled into the lot, jumped out, not with packages, but with an AK-47 and opened fire. He killed two CIA officers, wounded three others, and fled the country. One month later, the bombing at the Trade Center involved an illegal alien who rented the truck, and another illegal alien who drove the truck. They violated their visas. That made them illegal, okay, subject to deportation, but not the way Biden is doing things now. They're under orders to not make any such arrests in the United States. I guess they want the MVP awards from ISIS and al-Qaeda as well as from the cartels and MS-13. So I was asked to participate in that hearing to figure out how they were able to game the system. And under the Clinton administration, even after all that, they implemented a program known as Citizenship USA, CUSA, where they ran 1.1 million aliens through the naturalization process in many cases before the fingerprints even came back. Totally illegal, totally inappropriate. We wound up naturalizing thousands of criminals who should have been deported. The employees of, of, of INS back then, it wasn't USCIS, it was INS, complained to the Office of Inspector General. They did an investigation and found lots of mistakes and lots of wrongdoing. This is now before 9-11. Think about that. Think about that. So, they, so we talk about the World Trade Center bombing. So it says this, February 1993, three of the terrorists involved with the first World Trade Center bombing reportedly traveled on Saudi passports containing an indicator of possible terrorist affiliation, Three of the 9-11 hijackers also had passports containing the same possible indicator. In addition, Ramzi Youssef, the mastermind of the attack, and Ahmed Ajaj, who was able to direct aspects of the attack despite being in prison for using an altered passport, again, fraudulent passport, folks, traveled under aliases using fraudulent documents. The two of them were found to possess five passports as well as numerous documents supporting their aliases, a Saudi passport, showing signs of alteration, an Iraqi passport bought from a Pakistani official, a photo-substituted Swedish passport, a photo-substituted British passport, a Jordanian passport, identification cards, bank records, education records, and medical records. And that report goes on to say, once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge 
was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. I hope you're paying attention. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories. Well, that's what the system is overflowing with right now, isn't it? Because of Biden. They concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the Seasonal Agriculture Worker Program after falsely claiming, he lied, that he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented a truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. He then applied for permanent residency under the Agriculture Worker Program, but was rejected. Iyad Mahmoud Ishmael, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa, and after he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. Those were the two illegal aliens who rented and drove the van used in the 93 bombing that killed six people, injured over 1,000, and inflicted about a half billion, with a B, half billion dollars in damage, almost collapsed the tower. Their goal was to kill at least 250,000 people. I had spoken to some of the engineers that were involved with the bombing at the Trade Center, and they told me that they almost knocked the tower over sideways. If that had happened, the seawall would have ruptured. Lower Manhattan would have been flooded from the Hudson River. Uh, God knows how many more buildings would have collapsed. It would have been like falling dominoes. And all of them had something in common, immigration fraud. But that's not what we hear about. That's not what we hear about. Page 61 of that report has this passage. Exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there's evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors, once again, fraudulent document vendors, um, think about that, um, and corrupt government officials, human smugglers clearly have the credentials necessary to aid terrorists travel. Can, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? This makes absolutely no sense for us to be ignoring this very serious element of, of national security, this serious element of, uh, that's a vulnerability. And now let's go to page 98 under immigration benefits. Again, that was part of the topic of my first hearing before Congress in 97. So let me read this quote to you, and then we'll get to my article, and I'm going to pull a bunch of dots together and I think it's going to leave your head spinning, folks. Page 98 of that report, 9-11 and Terrorist Travel, has the following paragraph. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans would come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, that's DACA, by the way, temporary worker status, or applying for asylum after entering. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists. Terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. Could we be any clearer about that? Could we be any clearer? And so, a couple days ago, I happened to spot an article in, in um, the Washington Times. And, and I'm going to tell you what, it kind of uh, freaked me out. Because, um, let, let me pull up the title uh, bear with me. I apologize to you. This will just take me a second. Well, in any event, the, the, the article that was in the Washington Times detailed how um, under Biden, Mayorkas, and I've talked about Mayorkas ordering his people to get to yes when he was the head of citizenship and immigration services under the Obama administration, ordered his people get to yes, approve all the applications for visas. He even approved applications for visas when the FBI warned him that a particular company might have an affiliation with an Iranian espionage group and so forth. Didn't care. 
approve it, approve it, approve it. ABC News did a multi-part series about Mayorkas, the visas, and the threat to national security by terrorists and by spies. Think about that. Think about that. This is crazy stuff. And he ordered the people to approve the petitions. And just as we saw with Citizenship USA under the Clinton administration, this is now under the Obama administration, you had a bunch of people working at Citizenship and Immigration Services going to the Office of Inspector General and saying we're being ordered to approve petitions, and legally we can't approve them. This is wrong. The investigation showed malfeasance. Think about that one. It showed malfeasance. Now, how in the world do you explain that? How in the world do you allow this guy to then become the head of DHS, which oversees other agencies, including DHS? How in the world do we allow that to happen? This makes no sense. You see? So we, we know who this guy is. We know what his plans had been. We know how lousy the job was that he did. They said that what he did was to politicize the process, but it didn't much matter to them, okay? And then we, we have this article talking about, um, here was the, the um, here's the first sentence from the Washington Times article, or the first two sentences. The Homeland Security Department is circulating a draft proposal that would severely curtail its attempts to strip citizenship from people who are naturalized based on fraud. The Washington Times saw a draft of the memo from Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas to the heads of three immigration agencies, and the memo says that people might not apply for citizenship because they would worry about losing it in the future. Is this not crazy? So we have the head of Homeland Security saying, we're not going to go after people who lie on their applications because we don't want to discourage people from applying for U.S. citizenship. Really? You don't want to go after people because they might not apply. I had a top-secret clearance, and every couple of years I had, they had to redo it. We used to jokingly say that it was like going to the bureaucratic proctologist. We'd sit there for hours being interviewed. They could review bank records and phone records and knock on my neighbor's doors. It was very extensive. It wasn't a background check. It was a true background investigation. So maybe we shouldn't do that because it might make employees concerned that they might lose their security clearance. Are you kidding me? If you told the truth when you apply for citizenship, you have nothing to fear. And the lies that we're talking about involve what are known as material facts. Now, what's a material fact? Let's say I had applied for citizenship. I was a citizen at birth because I was born here. My mother was American. My father was American. But let's say my circumstances are different than I applied for citizenship. And let's say I make a mistake in the address. Where did you live? And I innocently transpose numbers or I do something else, or I, I say, and if it's not a material fact, if it has no bearing on my eligibility for citizenship, it doesn't matter. Material fact, have you ever been arrested? No, I haven't, and there's a rap sheet. Have you ever been part of a terrorist group? No, and, and, and we have intelligence reports from the CIA or elsewhere showing that in point of fact I was operating as a terrorist. Those are the kinds of things we're talking about. The Nazi war criminals lied about their identities. Is this your name? Yes. Turns out it's not. That's a material fact. So why in the world would you do this? And, and in my article, and I, and I hope you will read my article, and I hope you will share it with as many people as you can, but in my article, I gave examples of people who had applied for citizenship um, and got citizenship and used it in furtherance of some pretty nasty stuff. One guy was a Chinese national who became a, uh, who was actually a spy for China, became a New York City police officer, was the community uh, officer for Chinatown, and he was using that position of authority within the police department to try to recruit spies for China. Think about that. We had others who were terrorists who had been told by their handlers overseas, get U.S. citizenship because then you have that second passport and you could change your name when you get the passport. And, and I agree with that, but ridiculously, the U.S. passport does not reflect the original name, and I've made that case when I've testified before Congress, but to no avail. So you have two passports. So what, mean, what this means now is let's say you have a terrorist who flies from New York to Germany on his U.S. passport. He puts the U.S. passport away, takes out his Pakistani passport or his Lebanese passport or whichever, pick another country, 
and then flies to another country where he participates in a terror event, training, an assassination, whatever it is that he's doing. Comes back through Germany on that other passport, puts that away, flies home on his, on his U.S. passport. So the inspector at the airport looks at that passport. I did that job for four years. I'm very familiar with the process. And he says, oh, he left a month ago. He was in Germany. There's no other admission stamps. I guess he spent a month in Germany maybe enjoying himself in the beer gardens. Who knows? There's no indication in that passport that he went to some country in the Middle East or anywhere else. So you're able to use that second passport to cover your tracks. And I know of terrorists that have done exactly that. A passport like that endangers our safety. It endangers the safety of our allies. Okay? And I've given you a couple specific examples. But then I, I, I tripped over something else. And this is the thing that really blew my mind, and I included this in my article, and then after I had my article published, my my feeble brain started wrapping itself around the enormity of this discovery. And I started to realize why, I can't prove it, but I think I understand now why Mayorkas is so determined to no longer go after people who commit naturalization fraud. And I'm going to be working on an article about this over the weekend. I also write for U.S. Incorporated, usinc.org. So I'll be writing for them, and I'm probably going to do a sequel for Front Page Magazine as well, because this is really huge. On April 7, 2021, the Justice Department issued a press release. Federal immigration official originally from Nigeria charged with illegally obtaining U.S. citizenship under a fake identity. And here's how the press release from the Justice Department began. Santa Ana, California, an immigration service officer with U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, was arrested this morning in Maryland on a federal charge that alleges he obtained U.S. citizenship under a false name. The defendant is charged under the false name of Carl Nwabugwu Odike Ithamembi. Forgive me if I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's an African name. But the criminal complaint in this case notes that his real name was Modesto Nwagbu Ifidembi, originally of Nigeria. He previously resided in Aliso Viejo, but relocated to Rockville, Maryland last year. He worked for USCIS for seven years. Now think about that. He worked for a division of Homeland Security that adjudicates applications. He got citizenship. First, he got asylum by lying about his situation. When he realized they were on to the lie, he then claimed, well, I lied because I had a problem. I'm not really a citizen of this country. I'm a citizen of that country. And there was a newspaper article that laid it all out. I mean, it was a lie after lie after lie. And in fact, Fox 11, Los Angeles, has this article up, former Orange County Immigration Officer charged with citizenship fraud. And they go into it. An immigration service officer previously worked and Alyssa Viejo worked in Los Angeles, was arrested Wednesday, and they talked about that and about how he was employed for seven years. And I'm going to guess it was about two years ago. Our people, he also claimed that he was from Sierra Leone. So he was all over the world, literally. He claimed he was born in this country, then he's from that country, then he's from Sierra Leone. Lie after lie about his identity, political asylum, and everything else, and he got away with it. But this all happened. He entered in 2000, became a United States citizen um, during the Obama administration when Mayorkas was running Citizenship and Immigration Services. It says right here the defendant was sworn in as a citizen in May of 2011 and two years later got a job with U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. That was during the Obama administration. That was during the reign of Mayorkas at Citizenship and Immigration Services. They did not catch the lie. Okay? Now, why in the world would he take a high-risk job working for the agency that he had defrauded? Interesting question. Now, again, these are allegations. He's not been proven guilty yet. As we say, you're innocent until proven guilty. But if the allegations are true, why in the world would this guy of all places get a law degree, so he could have worked anywhere, had a law degree, but where does he go to work? The Citizenship and Immigration Services. If Mayorkas was legitimate 
and maybe this is part of why he doesn't want to do any investigations into this stuff, they should be picking up every petition that he adjudicated for the last seven years as potential fraud. Because my hunch is that if, in fact, he's guilty as charged, he went to work for Citizenship and Immigration Services as a corrupt employee. There's no other reason you would take a government job when you know that this is the agency that you just defrauded. This is a high-wire act. Why would he do it? I will tell you right now, if I was running Homeland Security, I would order a team of agents to go through every petition that he touched because it's entirely possible that he was bribed, corrupted, and so forth. That makes sense because then he would have been supplementing his income with lots of money that wouldn't have been taxed. That makes sense. You have a financial motivation, and some of these folks are willing to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for a U.S. passport. I mean, that's a home run for a bad guy. So you would think this would be the time that they should say, let's go dig into this. And by the way, maybe we should be looking at other employees who are naturalized citizens. Did we miss something in any other case? That's what you do if you're concerned about the integrity of the program. But obviously this administration could care less about the integrity of anything. Donald Trump, and I wrote about this in my article, created a fraud unit. And I wrote about it at the front page when it happened. This is a couple of years ago, to go after people who lie on applications for U.S. citizenship because it's recognized as a threat to national security. If you look at the timing of when this guy was discovered as being fraud, again alleged to have been fraud, it had to have happened during the Trump administration. So Donald Trump did the right thing once again. Not only the border wall, but creating a fraud unit to go after people who lie on their applications to for citizenship. And they sent people to Africa. I assure you, this did not happen under Obama or Mallorca, so it had to be Trump. And they found out that he lied about his background, lied about his identity, lied about everything. So now he's charged with citizenship fraud. And this happens in April. And now here we are a few months later, and what does Mallorca say? Let's not look for any citizenship fraud to denaturalize people. It's not fair to them. How about what's fair for America or Americans? By the way, there is a presence of terrorists in, 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 in Nigeria. So we need to worry about people coming, I mean, from any country. Let's be clear. But Nigeria does have a nexus to al-Nusra and other terrorist groups, or Boko Haram, rather. Boko Haram operates in Africa. So could this individual be linked to terrorism? I'm not saying he is. I have no idea. But again, it comes back to what I started with at the beginning of my program. Ask the questions and try to get the damn answers. This isn't a joke. We go through hell to get on an airplane to make sure we not bring a weapon on the airplane. Why are we not going through hell to make sure that people who come into the country don't pose a threat to our safety or well-being? I want you to share this with as many people as you can. These are questions that won't go away, and I won't allow them to go away. At first blush. This guy became a United States citizen and an employee of Citizenship and Immigration Services during the Obama administration. Now, I'm not saying that Obama knew about it. I'm not saying that Mayorkas knew it at the time. Maybe it was just such a slapdash operation. Just get the paper through. Approve everything. Don't look at it. Just stamp it. Stamp it. When I worked at the airport as an inspector, I had supervisors say to me, you're spending too much time talking to these people. No more than a minute. No more than a minute. Admit them. Admit them. What's the big deal? And that's why you wind up with lots of illegal aliens who come through ports of entry. So it may have been that it was such a cursory job that they did at Citizenship and Immigration Services. Again, Mayorkas was notorious for ordering his people get to yes, approve the petition. And this guy, by the way, had a security clearance. So how did he get through that security clearance where no one figured out that he lied about his identity and lied about asylum and then lied about his application for citizenship. I mean, alarm bells should be clanging from one end of Washington, D.C. to the other. DHS should be all over this. Maybe the FBI needs to take a hard look at it, but the FBI is going to be too busy going after parents who raise their voice at town hall meetings with the school boards. I hope you folks understand why I am as frustrated and as upset as I am 
as I told Jim Sensenbrenner when he chaired the House Judiciary Committee, we had a meeting, and I said to him, Mr. Chairman, if I can't sleep at night, sure as hell, I don't want you sleeping at night. I'm not pulling the stuff out of my left ear or some other orifice. The fact that you have somebody applying for citizenship, first asylum and then citizenship, and lying through his teeth, lying not once but twice about different identities, different nationalities, and he gets away with it. And the reaction is for the head of Homeland Surrender to say, we're no longer going to look to denaturalize immigration fraudsters who get citizenship by lying? Is he simply covering his backside for fear that they will find more cases like this? Or is there something even more nefarious going on? I have no idea. I have no idea. But I sure as hell would like to know. Because we are talking about national security at its most fundamental level. And that's why I read the other materials to you. Immigration fraud is the issue. And, you know, it's funny because when I talk to people and when I started doing speaking events, everybody was fixated on the Mexican border. How much of a wall? How tall should it be? How much electricity should we run through it? What color should we paint it? And I'm going to tell you about immigration fraud. Because if you're concerned about the border wall, and that doesn't mean you don't do it, you have to do multiple things. You don't just address one vulnerability, you address them all. I could put something in your pocket, ladies and gentlemen, that weighs less than an ounce and will get you across a border wall, even if it was 50 feet high, was coated with Teflon, slathered in grease, and they had electrified concertine wire at the very top of it. And you could get through that wall as though it did not exist and it weighs less than one ounce. Now, tell me, what can I put in your pocket so that you could make believe that that huge wall isn't even there? Give up. It could be a green card. It could be a U.S. passport. You just walk into a port of entry, and they say, Welcome home, Mr. Jones, and hope you had a great trip, and you're home. And the wall doesn't matter. And people have said to me, Well, we need mandatory E-Verify, because if we had mandatory E-Verify, no one could hire illegal ads. Well, it doesn't much matter now because look what Biden is doing. But the point is, people will game that system too, just the way people will cheat on their taxes. That's why they audit the taxes. So you could have a company submit the paperwork to 50 employees when they have another 232 employees who are working off the book. If you don't go there, you don't know. You could have aliens getting a green card or a passport or political asylum by lying and getting away with it. But once you have that immigration status, you can work legally in the United States. You will sail through the E-Verify process because of immigration fraud. Interior enforcement is the key to all of this. I'll ask you a question that I've asked members of Congress when I've sat around with with a bunch of them during closed-door sessions. How many times does it take an illegal alien to run the border before he or she ultimately makes it into the country? Give up? You're thinking there's an actual number? Well, it's more like a formula. It's one more than the number of times they get stopped. If they get stopped five times, they make it on the sixth, and that's the number. If they do it ten times and they make it through on the eleventh, and that's the number. one more than the number of times they're stopped. And even before Biden, virtually nothing happened to anybody once they got into the interior of the United States. Between sanctuary cities, and an absolute lack of immigration agents going back to Reagan and his uh, Immigration Reform and Control Act, we never had the ICE agents. And when they had this argument with Michael Chertoff, we both spoke at Chapman Law School, we shared a stretch limo between the Nixon Library and our hotel, probably the longest 45 minutes of Mike's life, he started telling me that there's no money to hire these agents. This is the federal government. We have how many people in the U.S. military? Are you serious? 45,000 people at TSA and 6,000 ICE agents, and because of the way Bush put it together, most of the work they do has nothing to do with immigration. They're more concerned with with counterfeit Gucci loafers and counterfeit passports, and this goes back to, to George W. Bush, who was a globalist. Interior enforcement is the issue, because that's how you uncover the fraud. That's how you uncover the employers who are hiring people and shouldn't be. That's how you uncover crooked lawyers who are arranging fake marriages and, and, and other folks like justices of the peace and notaries. 
We had a whole bunch of those. Understand the point. Interior enforcement is a bigger issue than the border wall, in my judgment. Not that the border wall is a small issue. And for those who say that the border wall is racist, I'm going to give you something else to think about when you have conversations with your neighbors, and I hope you will. The border wall was never designed to stop anybody from entering the United States of America. Yes, that's exactly right. You heard what I said. The border wall was not designed to stop people from entering the country. If it was, it would have blocked off the ports of entry, but it doesn't. All the border wall does is to funnel everybody through ports of entry so that they don't sneak past that process that's supposed to keep criminals and terrorists and aliens with dangerous diseases out of the country. Think about that. People that oppose the wall want immigration anarchy. And when they say we need a high-tech solution, there's a place for technology. But I, I like what Donald Trump said. Wheels and walls work. Sometimes you can go back to the future by using something that's very basic and very fundamental. It's okay to have technology to get those people to pay, get past the wall. But the, and by the way, the wall doesn't need to be 100%, 100% successful. You know how many people have said, well, you show me a 20-foot wall, and I'll show you a 22-foot ladder. Yeah, that's true. And you're right. And some people will dig and, and, and go under the wall, which, again, gets us back to interior enforcement. But the purpose of the wall isn't to stop everybody. It's to stop enough that the numbers become manageable. Well, we have now our numbers that are not manageable. This is by design. They are overwhelming the system. They are crashing the immigration system, just as I believe they are attempting to crash the economy. If you crash the economy, people wind up in poverty. If they wind up in poverty, they become reliant on the government. You know, I'm not a particularly religious guy, but I think we all know the story about the wisdom of Solomon. And if you remember, the story was, and there was no DNA testing back then, that two women both claimed to be the mother of the same child. And Solomon, having all this wisdom, said, I know what I'll do. And he offered to take the baby, cut it in half, and give each woman an equal share of the dead baby's body. Because he knew damn well that a real mother would never let the child would never allow her child to be harmed, and as he predicted, one of the women jumped up and said, "You know what? Let the other woman have the baby. I don't want any harm to come to him. Better she should have him than he should be dead." And of course, everybody knew who the real mother was at that point. The politicians who claim that they want what's best for America are like that fake mother. They don't give a rat's tail what they do to this country or to their American citizens. They want their piece of the action. It should be pretty evident to anybody and everybody what this is about. I hope that the information that I've given you this evening is thought-provoking. I want you to go and read my article at Front Page Magazine, and I want you to share it with as many people as you can. My article is entitled, Biden administration plans to protect immigration fraud says it's all about mind over matter, and if Joe doesn't mind, it doesn't matter. Please read the article, post it, forward it. Also, please post the link to this podcast. Post it on social media, send emails, however you can spread the word. I want you to be part of my bucket brigade of truth because the facts, common sense, the law, and morality are all on our side. It's simply a matter of having that honest discussion with our friends, with our neighbors, with family members, and just ask them, are you concerned about our, our country's future, and are you concerned about the future of your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews? There's nothing anti-immigrant about immigration law enforcement. In fact, the most likely victims of crimes perpetrated by transnational criminals from all over the world are the members of the ethnic immigrant communities where they live, and uh, ply their trades, if you will. Please get involved, folks. I always like to remind you, democracy is not a spectator sport. I plan to see you again next week, right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. Be well. Again, see you next week. <laughs>